Hey, good morning. Good to see you. Good to be together uh, with you. Welcome to River Glen. Those of you joining us online, great to have you uh, here uh, with us. And uh, welcome to week number two of At the Movies. Are you guys enjoying these movies? You enjoying the popcorn? Have fun. Got popcorn for you out in the lobby. Yeah, each weekend we're looking at a film and drawing out the gospel truths contained in it. And it's not really that hard to do with today's movie. It's a great movie. It's called Hidden Figures. And it's about real people and true events in history. It came out in January of uh, last year, received three Academy Awards. Uh, and uh, I'm curious, how many of you have seen this movie? Show of hands. Oh, yeah, quite a few of you. It takes place in 1961 in Virginia. And it revolves around the story of three African-American women, Mary Jackson, Dorothy Vaughn, and Katherine Johnson, who work at NASA when being black and being a woman uh, caused it to be an uphill battle to be seen uh, and, and treated as equal in society and in the workplace. Now, sadly, there is much racism and bigotry to be grieved in this movie. But I also found myself feeling proud of how these women stepped up and used their God-given abil- abilities and talents, no matter what other people around them thought. I found myself cheering for them and wanting them to succeed when so much was stacked against them. Here's how I would summarize the storyline of the movie. And uh, spoiler alert uh, for those of you who haven't seen the movie, but uh, you've had since uh, January 2017. And uh, you've had since uh, 1961 to know what happened. And so no complaining, okay, about that uh, uh, today. But the United States and Russia, they began this space race in the uh, early 1960s, and it got intense because people had this feeling that gaining an upper hand in the space race would determine the safety and the future direction of our world. Now, early on, the Russians seemed to take the lead in the space race. They successfully sent a man in outer space and back again, which created a sense of urgency about the mission and just turned it into an all-hands-on-deck kind of situation. But even then, Many people would have taken brilliant people like uh, Mary and Dorothy and Catherine and shut them out because of the color of their skin and or because of their gender. However, some doors began to open for them and they had the courage to walk through those uh, doors. But even though they began to work for NASA, it was still an uphill battle for them. Here are the, here are the three main characters in the in the uh, film. Mary, Mary Jackson worked in engineering. Uh, Dorothy Vaughn uh, was a natural leader. She became the supervisor. Later on, she learned how to be a computer programmer. And then Katherine Johnson is kind of the main character of the movie. She was just brilliant at applied mathematics. And as the space race heated up, they invite Katherine to join the team of engineers and mathematicians right in the middle of all the action. But the first time she comes into the meeting, somebody mistakenly mistakes her for the janitor and asks her to take out the trash. And then later on, she gets a cup of coffee and she's so uh, consumed with her work, she doesn't even look up and she fails to notice how everybody in the room stares at her because she's taking coffee from the same pot as everybody else. Next morning she comes back and she finds a separate coffee pot for uh, colored people. And they also give Catherine a big stack of papers with a huge amount of numbers for her to check. But when she needs to go to the bathroom, just a basic human need, right? 
she realizes the only restroom available to a colored woman is located about a half mile away in another building. And so a couple times a day, taking a big stack of work with her, she would begin the journey to that restroom. She, she would jog there in her business clothing. She would waste precious time that she could use to finish the urgent work that needed to be done. And then often she gets soaked by the rain. I want to show you a scene that picks up right after Catherine has, has gone way out of her way to use the uh, colored uh, bathroom, and she has this ever-increasing workload and the pressure that goes along with it, and she's finally had enough. It's a powerful scene, isn't it? And I don't think it's too early in this message for me to just remind us that is so contrary to the heart of God. Racism in every shape or form is wrong. It's wrong that she would have to use a different bathroom. It's wrong that she would have to drink from a different coffee pot. Racism is wrong at work. It's wrong at school. It's wrong at at church. This church is absolutely open and welcomes everyone. And heaven will be a place where all nations are represented because Jesus died for people of every color, every language, every tribe, every nation. The blood of Jesus makes us brothers and sisters in one family. Our blood is the same color, or as you just heard Kevin Costner say in the movie, we pee in the same color. And uh, there's your tweet uh, for today. There's a scene in scripture where the apostle Peter, the apostle Peter wasn't even sure that the gospel was for everyone, that it was for a person who wasn't a Jew, part of his own race. But in Acts chapter 10, God opened his eyes and he comes away from that experience saying, I now realize that it's true that God treats everyone on the same basis. Whoever fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Look at this. No matter what race he belongs to. You come to that realization yet that God treats everybody on the same basis? How about you? Do you treat everybody on the same basis no matter what race he or she belongs to? Another scripture gets even more specific. The Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 3, he says, So in Christ Jesus, you're all children of God through faith. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, that's race, ethnicity, neither slave nor free, that's socioeconomic class, nor is there male or female, that's gender, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. In other words, racism and sexism and classism have all been crucified on the bloody cross of Jesus and by his his resurrection from the grave. Not that those differences don't exist, that's not the point here, clearly those differences exist, but the point is that they should not separate us or divide us because in Jesus, our differences become part of our strength, part of our beauty as one community. We're called to be one. We're called to be unified in the task that is before us. And that was important for NASA to realize in the 1960s as they pursued their mission. But how much more important is this for the people of God, for the, for the church of, of Jesus to realize when faced with an even more important mission of making more and better followers of, of Jesus to help build his kingdom, to bring his kingdom to this earth just as it is in, in heaven. And so here's a question for all of us to think about. Who don't you see? Who is invisible to you because of bias or prejudice? This movie's called Hidden Figures for a reason. It's sort of a play on words in many ways. And if you're thinking, okay, good question, but how am I supposed to know if I don't see them? How do I know? How do I identify my, my blind spot? Well, the answer's definitely not just by being with people, being around people who are just like you. 
As a local church, we're called by Jesus to be something that author Scott McKnight calls a fellowship of difference. Different people fellowshipping and doing life together. That's always been the vision of the church of Jesus. McKnight suggests a great analogy of the vision of the church. Jesus' vision of the church would be, would be an awesome salad. You know, in a, in a great salad, there are diverse and different ingredients. And they're identifiable, but they're mixed and mingled together in amazing ways that just brings out the flavor. And we should resist the easy solution of drenching everything in ranch dressing. I mean, you might like uh, ranch dressing and think it's good, but we're often actually missing out on much more. We're missing out on great because in Jesus, our differences make us stronger and better and more beautiful as a community of people. Take a look at this next scene. I love uh, Mary's challenge to the judge. Be the first, your honor. Do the right thing, even when nobody else is doing it. Be the first. And I'm convinced every one of us within arenas of our life, at work, at school, organizations, family, we're all in the position to be the first somewhere. And this is something that goes beyond race. Maybe you could be the first in your family to break the cycle of divorce. It stops with you and your spouse. Maybe you could be the first in your family to go the rest of your life sober because alcohol has ruined your family and now you could be the first. It could stop with you. Maybe you're excited because you're the first one in your family to go to church and to find an authentic relationship with with Jesus. But maybe the reason you're the first is so that you can help other people in your family to find and follow uh, Jesus. If not you, who? Maybe you come from a family that that doesn't eat well, that battles diabetes, that doesn't exercise, but you could be the first and say, this ends with me right here, right now. Maybe it's your company or workplace and you see injustice or sexual harassment or other inequities and you could be the first to write the memo, to send the email, to make the policy, to fire the offender. Be the first because some of you have the power and authority that you can leverage for those who don't. You can open a door for someone to help make someone else's dream come true. Proverbs 31 puts it this way, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Mary challenges the judge to be the first, but then she asks him a very powerful question, a powerful question for you and me today. What are you doing today that could make a difference 100 years from now? What are you doing today that'll make a difference a hundred years from now. Focus on that, right? Ahead of everything else. Maybe God blesses you with an incredible brain like these three women and uh, you could use your brain to make the world a better place. Maybe God blesses you with the ability to just make a bunch of money and you could use those resources to fuel his mission, his work in this world. Maybe it means you become a God-honoring leader in your company, a God-honoring leader at home, uh, a God-honoring leader in your church? What if you and I were to run our decisions through this filter? What's gonna matter 100 years from now? How would that affect our lives, our families, our work, our friendships, our involvement and commitment to our local church? Personally, I'll tell you, this 100-year question is one of the best tools that helps me to reorder and recalibrate my priorities and just realign my life 
with God's ways. Think about it this way. Maybe this will maybe this will help. This movie is set in 1961. Let's let's rewind 100 years. Let's go back 100 years to 1861. What was our country like in 1861? Well, that was the beginning of the Civil War. And we watch hidden figures and we feel some frustration and sadness and, and anger at the way things were and we should. But we also need to celebrate to a degree the opportunities that women had in 1961 that they would have never had in 1861. And we can continue to feel frustrated that progress is too slow while we continue to march forward. Now let's fast forward 100 years to 2061. I did some calculations. And in 2061, I'll turn 96 years old. I'm not counting on it. Yeah, probably not going to happen, but my kids will be 68, 65, and uh, 63. What's the world going to look like in 2061? And who's going to decide that? Well, we are, and that begins with our decisions and how we live. The other day, I came across one of those classic great quotes, when is the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago. When's the second best time? Today. And maybe you start today by identifying a hidden figure in your life, an invisible person in your life, and you walk across the street, you walk across the room and make them feel welcome and valued. Maybe you buy someone a cup of coffee or share a meal. Maybe you invite someone to come and sit at your table. I want to show you what's probably my uh, favorite scene in the movie because it's such a, a key moment. Catherine becomes the first. Her boss feels the pressure of a looming launch date and uh, the pressure of all the obstacles that still lie in the way. And uh, he's finally had enough and he walks Catherine into this meeting where no African-American or no woman, for that matter, has ever been before. Take a look. Who do you need to hand the chalk to? You know, we can all do this. We can all look around and identify hidden figures in our lives and in our community. We, we can all leverage whatever power and position we have to give opportunity to those who otherwise wouldn't have the chance to offer the world something of great value, even if that something of great value is on a small scale. You never know the eternal impact even one small act can make. The scripture says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, two people are, are better off than one. Look at this next line, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. And we all know this works because at some point, somebody handed the chalk to us. Somebody gave you an opportunity. Somebody gave you a chance. Somebody uh, helped you to succeed. It could have been maybe, a, maybe it was a teacher, maybe it was a coach, maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a boss. You know, in my case, it was a church in Kentucky that invited me to come and be their youth pastor at age 21. And when you do that, I can tell you, when you give a hand up to somebody who, who, who needs an advantage, it's a beautiful thing. Who are the hidden figures in your life that you could help show their, their, their talent, give them an opportunity, maybe to rise to the top? Who do you need to hand the chalk to? Here's what I want to do with my remaining time. I want to challenge all of us to apply the message of this movie in two ways. First of all, pray. I want to ask you to pray in several ways about the injustice 
of racism. It could be today that some of us have been the target, the object of racism or sexism or some other injustice in your life. The Bible says to to love and pray for your enemy, to do good for those who hate you. And I know that's difficult because you you want to fight back. But maybe today you just need to say, God, give me your grace not to fight back. Help me to be known as a strong person of character, of love and peace and joy and kindness. Help me not to become bitter because of this pain, but better through your son, Jesus. Second, continuing to pray. Some of us need to pray for forgiveness for our own hidden racism, our own hidden attitudes toward other races, whether they be black or white, Asian or Latino, Jew or Arab or whatever. Maybe like the Apostle Peter, you need to have a heart conversion moment where you say, I now realize God treats everyone on the same basis, no matter what race they belong to, and I want to treat other people the same way that God does. Just pray, God, forgive me. I'm sorry for demeaning other people who you made in your image and who Jesus died for. And then third, would you continue to pray for our church? We've made good progress in this area, but there is so much more for us to do. There's, 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 so much more, uh, there's so much more growth that we can experience. Would you pray that God will open our eyes to the hidden figures in our lives so that we can tear down the walls and show kindness? Would you pray that we'll be the first ones in the world to give the chalk to other people? And would you pray that one day River Glen will truly be a church where God's kingdom on earth is just the way it is in heaven? A place, a place of every tribe, language, nation, and race. And that a watching world will see the transformed hearts of people here. And they'll say, wow, those people, they really, they really love each other. Let, let's make this a matter of prayer. That's the first challenge. And then the second challenge from this movie is to persist. When I first saw this movie, and even when I began working on this message, initially I thought, well, this is going to be all about race and gender and inclusion and those kinds of things, and it is. But the more I got into the story of this movie and the more it got into me, the more that I realized, you know what, this is also just as much about something else, and it's this idea uh, to persist, to just persist. As much as this movie, watching this movie made me reflect on Galatians chapter 3, you know where it says there's no Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, it also caused me to reflect On Romans chapter 5, where the scripture says to us, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. That progression right there is such an accurate description of Mary Jackson and Dorothy Vaughn and Katherine Johnson. And then it goes on in the next part, and it says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The spirit and the mission that has been given to us is much more important than NASA, much more important than America. It's God's mission in this world. It's so important, but it's also difficult because it involves hard work. 
and it comes with suffering. But thanks to God, because of the cross of Jesus and because of an empty tomb, our suffering leads to perseverance. And perseverance turns into character. And out of godly character flows hope. And hope in Jesus It doesn't put us to shame. It doesn't let us down. It doesn't disappoint. And that's what the story challenges us to do, to persist, to hold on to hope, to trust in God, to stay the course and do the next right thing in Jesus wherever or or, or whenever God has placed you in this world. Do your part to help move the mission forward. And when God's people persist in doing his good works, God will bring moments of victory. Something I really enjoy about movies based on true events, sometimes at the end of the movie, what they'll do is they'll show the uh, picture of the actor, uh, and, and alongside they'll show the, the actual historical figure that the actor, actor uh, portrayed. And uh, for example, just imagine if they did a movie about uh, River Glen Church. If they made a movie about River Glen, there would be an actor who would play the role of the lead pastor. No doubt about it, it would be George Clooney, absolutely, yeah. And then they would show the actual uh, lead pastor and it'd be a little disappointing, uh, wouldn't it? Not quite the same. Uh, But seriously, whenever they do this in the movies, I'm never disappointed. It always impacts me. It just hits me in the heart because it's like saying, wow, these are the, the, the actual people. This is the actual person who lived this story. And it just reminds me that when it comes to God's mission, that he's, that he's given it to, and he's counting on you and me. I mean, Kevin Costner, Octavia Spencer, Janelle Bunny, they're not gonna come walking through these doors. God has trusted and empowered each one of, each one of us to carry out his mission. And when we pray, and when we pers- persist, he will bring moments of victory. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for these three ladies, these three heroes, and their courage that inspires us. And God, thank you for the news, good news of Jesus for everyone, for everyone here, and for people from every nation, every tribe, and every language. God, thank you, not just for rescuing and saving us, but sending us on a, mes- on a mission for all the earth. God, help us to build your kingdom on earth, just as it is in heaven. And it's in Jesus' name, amen.